Section six of Omega, the last day of the world. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Omega, the last days of the world, by Camille Fermerian, Part one, Chapter five. While the above scientific discussions were taking place at Paris, meetings of a similar character were being held at London, Chicago, St. Petersburg, Yokohama, Melbourne, New York and in all the principal cities of the world in which every effort was made to throw light upon the great problem which so universally preoccupied the attention of humanity at oxford a theological council of the reformed church was convened in which religious traditions and interpretations were discussed at great length to recite or even to summarize here the proceedings of all these congresses would be an endless task but we cannot omit reference to that of the vatican as the most important from a religious point of view just as that of the institute of paris was from a scientific one the council had been divided into a certain number of sections or committees and the then often discussed question of the end of the world had been referred to one of these committees our duty here is to reproduce as accurately as possible a physiognomy of the main session devoted to the discussion of this problem the patriarch of jerusalem a man of great piety and profound faith was the first to speak in latin venerable fathers he began i cannot do better than to open before you the holy gospel permit me to quote literally he then read the words of the evangelists describing the last days of the earth and went on these words are taken verbatim from the gospels and you know that on this point the evangelists are in perfect accord you also know most reverend fathers that the last great day is pictured in still more striking language in the apocalypse of st john but every word of the scriptures is known to you and in the presence of so learned an audience it seems to me superfluous if not out of place to make further citations from what is upon every lip such was the beginning of the dress of the patriarch of jerusalem his remarks were divided under three heads first the teachings of christ second the traditions of the church third the dogma of the resurrection of the body and of the last judgment taking first the form of an historical statement the dress soon became a sort of sermon of vast range and when the orator passing from st paul to clement of alexandria tertullian and origen reached the council of nice and the dogma of universal resurrection he was carried away by subject in such a flight of eloquence as to move the heart of every prelate before him several who had renounced the apostolic faith of the earlier centuries felt themselves again under its spell it must be said that the surroundings lent themselves marvellously to the occasion the assembly took place in the sistine chapel the immense and imposing painting of michelangelo like a new apocalyptic heaven was before every eye the awful mingling of bodies arms and legs so forcible and strangely foreshortened christ the judge of the world the damned born struggling away by hideous devils the dead issuing from their tombs the skeletons returning to life and reclothing themselves with flesh the frightful terror of humanity trembling in the presence of the wrath of god all seemed to give a vividness and reality to the magnificent periods of the patriarch's oratory and at times in certain effects of light 
one might almost hear the advancing trumpet sounding from heaven the call of judgment and see between earth and sky the moving hosts of the resurrection scarcely had the patriarch of jerusalem finished his speech when an independent bishop one of the most ardent dissenters of the council the learned maestros rushed to the tribune and began to insist that nothing in the gospel or the traditions of the church should be taken literally the letter kills he cried the spirit vivifies everything is subject to the law of progress and change the world moves enlightened christians cannot any longer admit the resurrection of the body all these images he added were good for the days of the catacombs for a long time no one has believed in them such ideas are opposed to science and most reverend fathers you know as well as i do that we must be in accord with science which has ceased to be as in the time of galileo the humble servant of theology theologae humilis ancilla the body cannot be reconstituted even by a miracle so long as its molecules return to nature and are appropriated successively by so many beings human animal and vegetable we are formed of the dust of the dead and in the future the molecules of oxygen hydrogen nitrogen carbon phosphorus sulphur or iron which make up our flesh and our bones will be incorporated in other human organisms this change is perpetual even during life one human being dies every second that is more than eighty six thousand each day more than thirty million each year more than three milliards each century in a hundred centuries not a long period in the history of a planet the number of the resurrected would be three hundred milliards if the human race lived but a hundred thousand years and no one here is ignorant of the fact that geological and astronomical periods are estimated by millions of years there would be gathered before the judgment throne something like three thousand milliards of men women and children my estimate is a modest one because i take no account of the secular increase in population you may reply to me that only the saved will rise what then will become of the others two weights and two measures death and life night and day good and evil divine injustice and goodwill reigning together over creation but no you will not accept such a solution the eternal law is the same for all well what will you do with these thousands of milliards show me the valley of jehoshaphat vast enough to contain them will you spread them over the surface of the globe do away with the oceans and the ice fields of the poles and cover the world with forests of human bodies so be it and afterwards what will become of this immense host no most holy fathers our beliefs must not cannot be taken literally would that there were here no theologians with closed eyes that look only within but astronomers with open eyes that look without these words had been uttered in the midst of an indescribable tumult several times they wished to silence the croatian bishop gesticulating violently and denouncing him as schismatic but the rules did not permit this for the greatest liberty was allowed in the discussion an irish cardinal called down upon him the thunders of the church and spoke of excommunication and anathema then a distinguished prelate of the gallican church no less a person than the archbishop of paris himself ascended the rostrum and declared that the dogma of the resurrection of the dead might be discussed without incurring any canonical blame and that it might be interpreted in entire harmony with reason and faith 
according to him one might admit the dogma and at the same time recognize the rational impossibility of a resurrection of the body the doctor angelicus he said speaking of st thomas maintained that the complete dissolution of every human body by fire would take place before the resurrection summa theologica three i readily concede with calmet on the resurrection of the dead that to the omnipotence of the creator it would not be impossible to reassemble the scattered molecules in such a way that the resurrected body should not contain a single one which did not belong to it at some time during its mortal life but such a miracle is not necessary st thomas has himself shown loco citato that this complete material identity is by no means indispensable to establish the perfect identity of the resurrected body with the body destroyed by death i also think therefore that the latter should give way to the spirit what is the principle of identity in a living body assuredly it does not consist in the complete and persistent identity of its matter for in this continual change and renewal which is the very essence of physiological life the elements which have belonged successively from infancy to old age to the same human being would form a colossal body in this torrent of life the elements pass and change ceaselessly but the organism remains the same notwithstanding the modifications in its size its form and its constitution does the growing stem of the oak hidden between its two cotyledons cease to be the same plant when it has become a mighty oak is the embryo of the caterpillar while yet in the egg no longer the same insect when it becomes a caterpillar and then a chrysalis and then a butterfly is individuality lost as the child passes through manhood to old age assuredly not but in the case of the oak the butterfly and the man is there a single remaining molecule of those which constituted the growing stem of the oak the egg of the caterpillar or the human embryo what then is the principle which persists through all these changes this principle is a reality not a fiction it is not the soul for the plants have life and yet no souls in the meaning of the word as we use it nevertheless it must be an imponderable agent does it survive the body it is possible st gregory of nyssus believed so if it remains united to the soul it may be invoked to furnish it with a new body identical with that which death has destroyed even though this body should not possess a single molecule which it possessed at any period of its terrestrial life and this would be as truly our body as that which we had when five fifteen or thirty or sixty years of age such a conception agrees perfectly with the expressions of holy writ according to which it is certain that after a period of separation the soul will again take on the body for ever in addition to st gregory of nassus permit me most reverend fathers to cite a philosopher leibniz who had the opinion that the physiological principle of life was imponderable but not incorporeal and that the soul remains united to this principle although separate from the ponderable and visible body i do not pretend to either accept or reject this hypothesis i only note that it may serve to explain the dogma of the resurrection in which every christian should firmly believe this effort to conciliate reason and faith interrupted the croatian bishop is worthy of praise but it seems to me more ingenious than probable are these bodies bodies like our own if they are perfect incorruptible fitted to the new conditions they must not possess any organ for which there is no use why a mouth if they do not eat why legs if they do not walk why arms if they do not work one of the fathers of the early church origen 
whose personal sacrifice is not forgotten thought these bodies must be perfect spheres that would be logical but not very beautiful or interesting it is better to admit with st gregory of nassus and st augustine replied the archbishop that the resurrected body will have the human form a transparent veil of the beauty of the soul thus was the modern theory of the church on the resurrection of the body summed up by the french cardinal as to the objections on the score of the locality of the resurrection the number of the resurrected the insufficiency of surface on the globe the final abode of the elect and the damned it was impossible to come to any common understanding for the contradictions were irreconcilable the resultant impression was however that these matters also should be understood figuratively that neither the heaven or the hell of the theologian represented any definite place but rather states of the soul of happiness or of misery and that life whatever its form would be perpetuated on the countless walls which people infinite space and so it appeared that christian thought had gradually become transformed among the enlightened and followed the progress of astronomy and the other sciences the council had been held on tuesday evening that is to say on the day following the two meetings of the institute of which an account has been given above the pope had made public the advice of the president of the institute to leave italy on the fatal day but no attention had been paid to it partly because death is a deliverance for every believer and partly because most theologians denied the existence even of inhabitants upon mars End of chapter five recording by julian niedermeyer